0: Welcome, 11 o'clock, my people. <laughs> so glad that you are here. Um, we're jumping into the last message in our series called Four, which was four weeks until we made it five. Now it's five. <laughs> Should have called it five, but then five, went, anyway. <laughs> um, and today's message is called Together and uh we're gonna look at what jesus prays for us in john chapter 17 we're gonna look at a story of a paralytic man in mark chapter 2 and then we're gonna look at um a passage in ephesians to kind of help us if you don't have a bible and you want one we love giving bibles away we give bibles away every week just see somebody at welcome or one of the team on your way out we'd be glad to hook you up with one if you use your phones i use you version app it's a great bible app on your phone it's free um Or if you have your Bibles and you want to flip there, that's great. I'm going to pray, and then we'll get right into it. But before we we do that, today's talk is challenging. And uh, so I want you to know I love you. (laughs) Whoever you are, whatever life looks like, I'm glad you're here and uh, a part of this place. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your word that we can gather around it, listen to it, help it to sink deep into our souls this morning. We don't need me. For crying out loud, we, don't, we definitely don't need me. We need you. We don't need more of ourselves. We need your spirit to work in our hearts and in his place. I pray that you'd encourage those who showed up and need encouragement and strengthen those who showed up and need strength. I pray that you would challenge those of us who need to be challenged. What, what we want ultimately is for your will to be done in our hearts and our lives. So I pray this morning would be a morning of hope and encouragement, even though it'll be a little bit challenging too. We just trust you. Whatever valley we're walking through, whatever mountain stands in our way, we trust you we thank you that we are not alone even when we feel like we are. That you will never forsake us. That you've given us this incredible thing that you call the church your family to help encourage us. In Jesus' name. So I want to start uh, by just reading Jesus' prayer for you. It's recorded in John chapter 17 and verse 20. And the message today is that we're better together. And, um, and what I got for you in this message, in the course of this message, are five things that I think are the results of when you start to understand this concept and apply it into your life. Five things that you can expect to see in your life, in your heart, in your relationships, but I'm just gonna be straight with you right up front. It's not just about your marriage or your relationships or your parenting or your work this week. It'll definitely apply. But the challenging part is we're gonna talk a little bit about what things need to look like as a church um, at the end of this message. So I just don't wanna I wanna be as straightforward as possible with you. Better together. And we'll, we'll give you some things to help you apply those, to, to experience those five kind of positive things in your life. But I, I want to just start by reading these words of Jesus as he prayed for you. It says, my prayer is not for them alone. That's talking about the disciples who he just got done praying for. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you. That all of them, now check this out, this is his prayer for you, Right? so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given to me me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I may be in them. Isn't it interesting that Jesus, when he prays for you, doesn't pray for your comfort. He doesn't pray for your peace. Praise for your unity. And isn't it also very interesting that he says when, you, when they have this thing, this unity, this bond that is supposed to be an actual physical realization of the bond and the unity that the Trinity has, isn't it interesting that he, he doesn't say that by their opinions, people will know you sent me for them. By, by their values, people will know you sent me. People will know you sent me because of the unity that my people have. Isn't that interesting? That of all the things Jesus could have prayed for for us, Here in this collection of prayers, as he ends it, thinking of you, that what he prayed for you was that you would be unified with each other. Now, we used to be better at this than we are. And I know that that makes me, in my kids' eyes, sound like an old person. Well, I'm not that young. And what I would say to them and say to you is it's a wise person thing, not an old person person thing. Age is relative, right? Wisdom is what counts. And so I want to just say, it's also why I wore this really snazzy jacket to make me look younger. (laughs) I want to just say this right off the top here, like we used to be better at being together in life and everything. We used to be better at being together. I don't know what your life looks like now, but the other day I pulled out my phone to text my kids who were in the same house one of them was in the same room. Jen said, what are you doing right now? I said, I'm texting the kids. I got something I got to tell them. She's like, uh, why don't you just walk the 15 feet to their room and tell them? I was like, you're right. Isn't that crazy? Don't answer this out loud, but my guess is that I'm not the only one who has tried to text something to somebody who was in this, under the same roof that I was in at the same time I was in it. I'm probably not the only one in this room that's done that. We used to be better at being together, at having actual conversations, but now maybe it's because we're so busy and my schedule is like this kind of, crazy jacked up spreadsheet with highlighter stuff all over it that that I'm running from place to place to place doing this and doing that and doing this that I don't even have time to really eat with my people anymore. Like, have you realized how hard it is to like eat with people that you like love and wanna eat with and share a meal and and settle down? Like, we used to be better at being together I take a road trip nowadays with my my three kids in the back and my wife up front because I always have to drive. I hate driving. I'm the worst driver in the family, but I'm always the one. They ridicule me the whole trip for my driving. Dad, you're not supposed to drive on the yellow line. (laughs) They're guidelines, not fences, right? (laughs) Some of you men are like, I'm using that one. You know, now we go on a road trip, and I look in the rearview mirror, which somebody had bumped and has misadjusted, and what I see is I see everybody with AirPods in their ears, right? Like, and they're all watching different movies, listening to different stuff, you know? And don't get me wrong, I'm really, really, really grateful for the quiet, (laughs) But it occurs to me that we used to be better at being together. We used to be better at being together. And it doesn't just apply to, like, family life. It applies to everything. We used to, work used to be a place where we were together. We were a work family. You maybe had a work wife. That's probably a terrible illustration. I don't know why that came up. But, like, we used to be better at, like, being together. We used to be better at being together, somewhere along the way, in a, in a world that tends to lean towards division, we've chosen isolation. And isolation is definitely something we choose, and it's definitely not how we were designed to live. We used to be better at being together, but nowadays you see all this division everywhere. It's what we like to highlight online and talk about. It's what gets us all riled up. We'd rather talk about what makes us different than what makes us the same. We used to be better at being together. I don't, I don't think the division is the cause. I think it's a symptom. You see, what I think is the cause is we have, we have learned in a culture that makes it easy to just do our individual thing and isolate ourselves from everybody else just put our heads down and we go for whatever it is we want to go for and we think about other people we love other people uh, but it's easy for them to be on the outside looking in of what's really going on in our lives and, and and listen like right like the times you probably need somebody most are the times you probably withdraw the most am i wrong The times you got junk in your heart that you need to talk about with your spouse are probably the times you pour more time into work so you can avoid the conversation that you so desperately need. Am I wrong? I guess it's been my experience. Do you share it? The times we need to let people in, the times we need to be part of community, the times we need to show up to church, the times we need to be on a team, the times we need to be reminded that we're not alone, that we're connected with other people, that they will be there for us, that they have their backs, we isolate ourselves and we'll blame it on a few bad eggs. Somebody burned us once. And Instead of just letting that pain be what that pain is, the disappointment of a person that should have been there for us and wasn't, instead of just letting that be a wound, we let that wound keep wounding us and keeping us from the very thing we need the most to experience healing. I hear it all the time from people who don't want to come to church, which is not you because you're all in church, right? Like They'll say to me, I just need Jesus, man. I just need Jesus. They, sometimes they actually sound like that. I don't need church, I just need Jesus. Well, you're not, you're not right. You need Jesus. But this Jesus who created the universe also knew that it wasn't good for man to be alone. That wasn't about marriage. That was about companionship. It was about being better together. Better together. And we used to be better at being together. You got it. We isolate ourselves and we choose to just put our heads down and get through it and keep everybody out. And when we do that, we miss out on so much God has for us. And that's why when Jesus thought of you, What he prayed was not for you in isolation. What he prayed was not for you to get some kind of personal accomplishment. What he prayed was not for you to find some sort of personal strength, for for you to be able to make it on your own, toughen up, for you to be able to stand strong in the face of adversity. What he prayed for was that we would be unified. Now, unity doesn't mean that we agree on everything. It doesn't mean we see everything the same because he also created us as individuals with all of this incredible stuff and personality. There's only one of you, and I'm glad about that. There's one of you, and that's a special and unique thing. But he prayed for us to be unified and what unity means that we're together in what's most important. We isolate ourselves, and maybe you rolled in here, and you've been isolating yourself, too. But somewhere deep down inside, we know we need our people. Have you ever said that? I say it every time we get to 11 o'clock service. I say to Brandon, I say, ah, my people, <laughs> right? Because you're like me. We don't like to wake up at 5.30 in the morning and eat breakfast and then have lunch at, at 9.30 in the morning like those crazy maniacs that show up at 8 o'clock here every Sunday morning. We don't. We love them, but they're crazy, and we don't, that's why I say, like, you're, you're my people. Did you notice how, like, everybody has their people, my people? Even when you're isolated, you may not hang out with your people, but you know you need your people. Even the introverts in the room, raise your hand. No, don't do that. That just made all the introverts have a panic attack. Like, I'm, I love the people that are most important in my life are more introverted than extroverted, and so that joke was meant in fun. But, um, but even introverts, like, they'll be like, oh, they get me my people, other introverts. I don't know what they do. I think they light candles and sit around the living room not talking for like hours reading books. Um, yeah, but, but you ever notice? Like they, if they have their people, then I'll be all right. Like uh, Eagles fans, like they're my people. We, we share something. We share just this kind of like self-inflicted punishment every Sunday afternoon. <laughs> we go to church to get our hearts right and then we watch it get trashed by one o'clock every Sunday afternoon. This week we'll make it till Monday, but by Monday, <laughs> all the faith we have built up on Sunday will be right down the can. <laughs> you know, we, we share something. My, those are my people. They get the punishment that we love. They get the disappointment that we experience. They get it, they get it. They're my people. You ever notice how you have your people? And I don't know, maybe your people are like, Man, I love Harleys and knitting, that's my people. We love to knit sweaters and ride Harleys. I don't know what your people are. But somewhere deep down inside us, like while we choose isolation, we know, we don't want to admit it. We know I need my people. It's how you were created. You were created to be in relationship with God. And you were created to be in relationship with each other people, with each other. And you don't just need Jesus. You also need what Jesus has given you. And what Jesus has given you is one of the best gifts ever. It's a gift we always take for granted. It's a gift we choose to isolate ourselves from. It's a gift that we, we ignore the relevance of. it. We constantly unprioritize it. It's each other. Uh, My people, and if if I can bond with somebody over the punishment and disappointment that that people wearing green uniforms and gray tights put me through every Sunday, then why, why can't my people be the people who share the same faith, the same hope, the same grace, the same love, the same God? My people aren't just Eagles fans. You are my people. I'm your people. And here's what happens, right? We isolate ourselves and we take for granted one of the best gifts Jesus has ever given us. And, And we're so much weaker for it and we miss out on so much that God has for us to help us through life. Now, that's why I think Jesus prays for us to be unified. And it's also important to know that he says very clearly that people will not know who he is because of your opinions. People will not know who he is because you're a stand-up, solid, church-going person. People won't know the hope that they can have, the, the life they can have, the freedom they can have because you're right. And they're wrong. People won't know that because of how how snazzy you look. People won't know it because of how eloquent you sound. People won't know it because you know scripture in and out. People won't know that he is God, Emmanuel, come for us to rescue our souls and give us hope. No matter what we face, they will know it because we're better together. Now, the first thing that happens when you're together with your real people and unified is that your impact is multiplied. That's the first. There's five of them. If you're taking notes, there are five of them. That's number one. Your impact in life. Whatever you do in life will have a greater effect. Your impact in life will be multiplied. Your legacy will be multiplied. Your, your value will be multiplied. What pe- the, the influence you have on other people's lives will be multiplied as you are unified and in it together with his people, your people. That's the first thing that happens. There's a story in Mark chapter 2 that I love. And I've preached it. Before and It's one of my favorite things to preach when I go speak in other places. And, uh, but, but as I was reading it, I was, I was planning this message out um, with my father who's been in the hospital. Thanks for praying. He's got a long road to recovery. Keep praying, please. Uh, he needs it, and, and God has been faithful, and we've seen a bunch of little miracles already. We're so grateful for them. We need a couple more little miracles on this journey. Hopefully it's going to be a long journey, and he wants more than anything to be back With you sitting right up front, making jokes, coughing, and uh, you know, like, and heckling me once in a while, you know. Um, So we were working on this, and he wanted me to preach this one. I'm like, "Ah, I did that. I feel like I do that all the time. He's like, No, do it this time. We're gonna do it like this. And and he was so good. It it was a story about Jesus. Jesus is in Capernaum, and all these people had gathered. News about Jesus and his ministry had gone up. So all these people are gathered. I mean flocks of people churches packed. Like there there's no sitting room, there's no standing room. They're not mad because I took seats out of the back, you know, and they're the favorite seats. They're not none of that stuff, right? Like like they they're just packed out house no room for anybody. There's people like listening in at the windows, lining up on the street, trying to hear anything Jesus said. It's just a massive crowd that's gathered around Jesus in response to his ministry and all he had been doing and his healing of people. They're all dying to hear him. And then you have these guys on the side in Matthew chapter 2, the beginning of it. There, there's a, uh, some friends that had a, had a friend who was kind of hopeless and helpless, this paralytic now, now the paralytic's life, I gotta do this quick because we've been running over every service. I don't wanna run too far over for you guys because I do know this because you're my people. You get hangry, like it, you get a little hangry. So, um, so I wanna just tell this quick. You can read the whole story in the beginning of Mark chapter two. There's a couple friends, they had this paralytic guy. He was helpless. He he probably had most of his transportation happen on this mat. Thank goodness somebody provided him with a mat. Somebody bought the materials for the mat. Somebody sewed a mat together. They had given this guy a mat. This mat would be a tool that eventually would lead him to Jesus. You know, there's a whole lot of people that build mats as a part of Grace Free Church. Not actual mats. We're not a mat factory. But they put the investment into stuff that helps guide other people to Jesus. Some of you have found Jesus, not because of my preaching, but because someone built a mat. You didn't even know it was a mat. You didn't even know it was on. you were on a mat when you stepped into that program. I'm so thankful for the people that built the mats and make the ministry happen. These friends, so they would take him outside, he would beg all day, he would get enough money to eat, that was it. No real hope of any medical breakthrough, no real hope of his life being any different, no big dreams of his future. He could not look out and be filled with hope and optimism about what next week or next year would look like because he knew next week, next year would look the very same as it looked as today, maybe worse. But he had friends. His friends had heard about this Jesus, this Jesus who could heal the unhealable, mend the broken, give sight to the blind, help the deaf to hear. This Jesus, he wasn't just a teacher or prophet. What he said was different. He spoke with authority. He, he, he said these things things about being God sent for us. They, they heard these things about Jesus, and so when they found out he got to Capernaum, I don't know who had the idea first, but they all agreed, we gotta do whatever it takes to get our friend, the paralytic, To see Jesus because maybe if he sees Jesus, Jesus could fix him. So they picked up his mat and they headed over for the house where Jesus was preaching. Can you imagine their disappointment when they saw that the place was so packed. There was no room for them to get in. There was no room for them to get through the outside. There was no room anywhere. Thank goodness they didn't pack it up and go home. Somebody there said like, hey, let's go up on the roof. That's a crazy idea. These roofs are like two foot of mud and stone. That's how they used to make them back then. Two foot of thick of mud and not stone, and sticks and twigs and all the junk in your yard that you burn, you know, like all that leaves and junk, fig tree stuff and packed in two two foot of it. That's a lot, that's a lot. And, and they thought to themselves, maybe we can, let's not give up. This obstacle, this obstacle's not too big. So the, So they climb up on the, on the roof and they start digging with their hands, it says us in scripture. Like they're digging in their in their hands. Everybody's having church underneath and they're digging with their hands through two foot of mud and like I wonder what they thought when like the dirt fell on the first guy's neck and he was like you know, like so what are you touching my neck for, man? Like I'm trying to listen. Stop touching my neck. Some weirdo keeps touching my neck. And then it happens again. And they're like, what is going on? And then they see like dirt's falling from the ceiling and there's dirt on that guy. And they're like, what is going on? You know how mad people get in church sometimes over silly stuff? Can you imagine? Like somebody started drywall started falling on your heads right now. And you'd be like, what is going on? I don't like this. This is not cool. I'm trying to listen, you know? He's wearing a stupid jacket, and now I got drywall falling on my. They keep digging. They keep digging. Eventually, there's not even a point in being angry because a finger pokes through. <laughs> you know it was a finger, right? Like, they just saw finger like what is going on they're clawing through this roof pulling it apart with their hands they get a hole big enough they lay this friend down on the floor Jesus it says I'll read it so you don't think I'm making it up it says this in Mark chapter 5 when Jesus saw their faith that's a theological problem for me When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, you see there's a plural, is that a pronoun? I don't know, I stunk at school. There's something plural in there and there's something singular, right? Their faith, the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Son. Now now here's, I'm gonna break this theological problem down for you, okay? We know that the forgiveness um, that we get through, is through personal faith. Like you gotta, at some point, personally accept this Jesus, for who he says he is and for what he said he did, for you to experience forgiveness. It's a personal decision. Experiencing forgiveness and salvation and the hope that you can have through Jesus, it's a personal decision. Scripture teaches that throughout the entire Bible. It's extremely clear. So when you get to a passage like this, you have to say, what is it really saying in the context of the whole story of God? And This is what I think it's saying here. While this son, kid's... While this this man's sins were forgiven because of his personal faith, here's what we can know. The faith of the friends moved the heart of Jesus. There's something special that happens when Jesus' people are unified. The same heart, the same goal, the same mission. It moves the heart of Jesus. And the impact is multiplied. That's why you've seen, whether you've participated or not, you have seen this happen here. You have watched as the impact of a few, a few people who step out in faith with a shared mission, a shared vision, all the four things we talked about. We're a church that is for Jesus. We're a church that's for Schuylkill County. We're a church for your friends and family. We're a church for you. You've seen the effects of this. Whether you participated or not, you're sitting in the effect of this At at, at this service, it's why we have a campus in Tremont. It's why there's three services on a Sunday morning, though eight o'clock better invite some friends or I'm gonna can that real fast. (laughs) You you all laugh, but Brandon can testify to that. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. You've seen the effects of this, but that's not all it does. You see, when you're unified in anything in life, with your people. You can apply this to your home, you can apply it to your marriage, but I'm applying it to church. The impact of what you do is always multiplied. God multiplies it. But that's not the only benefit, right? Like here's some more, you ready for this? Number two, the obstacles, if you're taking notes, number one, impact multiplied. Number two, the obstacles shrink. You know, What it would have been like to get one guy to lift one other guy on a mat who can't use his legs up onto a roof and then dig a hole and try to drop him down in there? You know, that would be like not a great scene. The obstacles they were facing, the room's too full, there's too many people, we should turn around and go home, we should just quit, we're not gonna make it. Ah, good try, it's not gonna work. But when you are together, the obstacles shrink. Some of you are facing huge obstacles in life. I got, I got a couple going on for me too. You, you came in here like, I don't know how I'm going to make it. The, the mountain is too big. The, the, the obstacle is too great. I'm not going to get through this. It feels like I'm not going to get through this. And yet you've chosen to isolate yourself. If you just let some people in, your people in, his people in, you would realize that while the obstacle doesn't disappear, you can climb it. You're not alone in whatever you face in your marriage. You're not alone whatever you face in your body. You're not alone if you're sunk in depression. You're not alone if your frustration has been driving you crazy. You're not alone if you're on the brink of financial disaster and about to lose your job. You're not alone whatever obstacle you face. It gets smaller when we're together in our approach to it. That's number two. You ready for number three? You're stronger together. You ever notice how kids seek out the weakest parent? <laughs> Sometimes it changes in a moment. I notice, because I'm always apparently the weakest parent. I guess that's just how it rolls. Like they'll sneak, her, they'll, they'll like plot it out and then they'll be like, hey Jen, can we have Xbox time and some candy? And she's like, absolutely not. You didn't clean your room, you didn't do all this other stuff. Like, no, you can't have that. you got to do all this other stuff. And I'm supposed to be on that same page, but they'll wait until they see me distracted or in a moment of weakness or mad at the eagles or something. They'll come in, and then they'll go like, hey, Dad, yo, hey, you're the best. Can we have, like, a, can we have some Xbox and maybe, like, eat those Reese's peanut butter cups? I'm like, oh, man, sure, sure you can. They'll find the weak, you know, the weak spot and exploit it, right, because we're not together. But when you're together, you're stronger, Number four, because we got to keep cruising here. When you're together, you find encouragement. Uh, I, this morning, I was so excited to come here this this morning. Uh, you, those of you that know me and my family and this church, uh, if you're here the first time, you probably don't know. But our connection care pastor is my dad. He's been in the hospital since August 8th is not not great situation we're praying for him all this stuff but it's been tough like coming to church and doing the stuff and like I've really had to lean into God and depend on him and this morning I caught myself like coming to church really excited it's been hard because my dad man we spent a lot of time on Sunday morning he's always sitting right there but this morning I was like man I need this I can't wait to get there it's not because of the message it's not because of the of the of the music, I knew the set list was gonna be good. I see it early, you know? Like, it wasn't because of the, the cool, like, lighting or this sweet jacket I get to wear in front of everybody or my killer shoes. It wasn't because of any of that. It was because I knew that I needed to be in a space with my people because even if you didn't say anything, just being in the space with my people encourages my heart. You may not have put your finger on it, but it's why a lot of you come, don't remember a thing I say in the sermon, but still leave feeling great, right? It's because being in this space, it just automatically encourages your heart. The last thing is you go farther, faster. There's an old African proverb that says, if you wanna go fast, go alone. If you wanna go far, go with people. I heard a pastor use that as an illustration. He changed it. His name's Erwin McManus. And he said, he said, I don't think that's right at all. I think, I think it could be true, but I think I got something better. Like, if you want to go far, go, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with people. If you want to go far fast, go with your tribe. Now, what he meant with tribe was your people. And what he meant by your people was people with the same faith. Same heart, same community, your church, your church. There's five things that I think are the effects of having a being together. We used to be better together, but we can be better together again. In Ephesians chapter four and verse five, it tells us how. I'm gonna rip this off really quick and then I got a big challenge for you that you may or may not like, but I have made peace with it even if you decide it's your last Sunday in church, this church. I hope if it's your last Sunday in this church, you go find another awesome church. They're they're out there. Uh, It says this. It says, be completely humble. That's where your head's at. Be humble. It's where your head's at. Humble realizes your place, your right place in this. It's not beating yourself down, it's not groveling at the feet of other people, it's not humiliating yourself. Humiliation has nothing to do with being humble. Humble just says, man, God is way more important than I am, and he tells me that other people are supposed to be more important than me. I put myself third in the order. So when I look at this, I'm like, man, God, you are my number one priority, and you've called me to love my wife as Christ has loved the church, so she's number two, and you've given me these kids. They're number three, and you've blessed me with this church and called me to serve them. They're number four and I'm like number five somewhere on that list, right above Nelson Aguilar, right? Like I'm I'm number five on there. (sighs) You know, humble is where your head's at. It's realizing Jesus, others, than you. And you wanna be together with your people. Just know, let God elevate you as you look at others with humility. Second, He says, and be humble and gentle. Be completely humble and gentle, not partially. Gentle is like what we do with our hands. It's how we treat other people. It's what changes the tone of what we say. It's what causes us, instead of acting harshly to somebody, to respond to them instead of react to them in love, even if we have some tough words we gotta say. We make sure we put it in the right framework because we're being gentle with the other people that God has blessed us to be a part of their lives in. And he goes on, he says, be patient. Be patient is how we apply all of it. Lord knows the people that show up at your Thanksgiving dinner need plenty of patience dealt out from you to them. Patience is how we apply what we say and what we think and how we act towards others, and then he says this, like bear with one another in love. Like, so you, it's a given, you're gonna have to put up with people that annoy you. It's a given, you're gonna have to put up with people that, that make you angry and frustrate you, people that hurt you. This says, like that's a given, bear with people in love. And then this part, make every effort, not some effort, not effort when it's comfortable, Make every effort to keep the peace, the unity, sorry, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, just as you are called the one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Listen, if you are a person of faith in Jesus, these are your people. People. And we're supposed to make every effort, not just when it's comfortable, not when it's easy, not a partial effort, not a half-hearted effort, not a convenient effort. We're supposed to make every effort to keep unified and together as we go about what God has called us to do. All right, now here's the challenging part. The challenging part is we need you. Church is not a spectator sport. It's a team everyone's supposed to play on. Everyone gets on the field and off the bench. And for too long, the mission of this church has been carried by too few. And they're tired and worn out. Everybody keeps looking at them for more. And you know what they do? They keep giving more. It used to be before COVID, like this place was rocking and our teams were full. And I get it. Life's crazy and there's a lot going on. We used to be better together. And since then, you know, every meeting I have, I feel like we're hunting for people to help we're like, man, how do we fill these teams? How do we do this? We can't do that. We need people. We gotta pray for people. We, we, I pray like every day. God, you said the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few to pray for you to send workers from the harvest. I'm praying every day. I'm not seeing them. <laughs> Come on, when's he gonna? I need you. We don't, we don't even want to do it without you. Because we know that we're stronger together. We're better together. The obstacles are smaller together and we are exhausting ourselves, putting our hearts out there. And Listen, if you slide in in church and out of church every Sunday and if it is your first week, you can tune me out after that last part. This part isn't for you. If you slide into church every Sunday and you slide out of church every Sunday, I hope you're inspired. I hope it makes your week better. I pray for you every day. I will preach my guts out for you I will give you my heart but just know that's not church that's inspiration and it fades especially when life gets tough and what you don't need is for me to inspire you what you need is to be the church together With each other. Now, sometimes life is hard and you just need to soak into love. I I get that. I'm glad you're here. Whoever you are, I'm glad you're here. But others of you, man, you've been you've been kind of like half in, half out. And we need you. We want to see God do something bigger than we could have imagined. We wanna see him work in the lives of the people that you love who don't go to church, the family members that you pray for consistently. We wanna see him change those lives. We wanna see people set free from addiction on your street. We wanna see people freed from their shame and guilt. But the reality is, we're running out of gas. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So what I'm saying here is just this. I don't want to manipulate you, but I I am as serious as I can be. We need you. And if God's leading you, even though you're busy, I know you're busy, even though you're busy, even though you got a lot of distractions, even though you don't think you have anything to offer, even though you think you're not smart enough, even though you think there's not a place for you, even though you think, what could I do? I'm not good at any of this stuff. Even though you think, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't know anything about the Bible. Even though all those things may be true about you, God has gifted you and called you and made you a part of this place, not just to consume, but to give and to help make us stronger together. And here's the big secret. The big secret is this. Everybody I know that serves on a team, you can ask any one of these people that are up here this morning, anybody you talk to that has a name tag on, you can ask Sean at the desk, you can ask the people at the table, and they will tell you the same thing I know because I've asked them all. What's your favorite thing about Grace Free Church? And when they first started coming, their favorite thing may have been my sneakers. Their favorite thing may have been the cool music. Their favorite thing may have been the inspirational messages once in a while when I actually get out of the way and get one right. Like, that that may have been their favorite thing at first, but inspiration always fades over time. And now, without a second of doubt, you know what they say? My favorite thing is the team. The team that has my back. And they'll tell me stories about how they were struggling at home. And somebody on their team reached out to them and asked if they were okay. They'll tell me stories about how they showed up depressed and crushed because of stuff going on at work, but they showed up at practice, and, they, and there they were with their people who love them and who are with them and who are on mission with them, and they realize that they're stronger together, that the obstacles don't seem as big when they're with their people, that, that there's joy that comes from the unity of serving together on a mission. Now I know I've gone long. If you want to leave during the songs, that's fine with me. But if you feel led, would you please, as you leave early, stop by the sign-out table? It's crazy that I had to have a sign-up Sunday. But I don't know how else to do it, but steal seats, the most popular seats in the room, are the ones farthest away from me. <laughs> I took them out, even though I knew people would be mad at it at me. The team said, what are you doing? Pete, you can't do that. Put it in the hallway. They're going to be mad. I said, good, because sometimes you've got to disrupt church a little. Would you just go? There will be people standing back there. They love you. They're not going to judge you. They're not going to sign your life away. They're not going to sign you up to commit to something that you can't handle or can't do. They're just going to talk to you, see what you're interested in, and see if maybe today is the day that you jump off the bench and into the game. We need you. If it's your first time here, we need you you've been coming since Noah sailed the ark we need you and I want you to know that I, I know that was I'm not taking any of that back I know it was hard and if, and if you decide that was too too direct or too mean I'm never going to church again I, I know that might have been a possibility I want you to know that while I'm dis- I wrestled with it but I'm okay with it Would you just, if God's leading you, even during the songs or before you leave, wander back to that room, talk to some of our team members, see if there's a spot you can find out to help in. Uh, I know they're so tired. They would be so encouraged. They have been through so much, as you have these last two years. And they keep giving more. And I'm not playing I want, we need more people unified on this mission with us. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for your grace. It covers a messed up preacher like me. I don't get it right all the time. I know none of us do. I don't want to be harsher. Man, but... We're tired. You say, you say the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Pray to me for the workers. So I'm praying to you right now. We want to see epic stuff. Man, who knows? Maybe even one day there'll be a grace campus in every part of this county. We want to see lives changed and people set free and hope blossom in this place we live and love that you have called us to. We can't do it isolated. We need to be together. We are better together as your people. Give us unity that only comes from your spirit. Help us to know that our people are your people. In Jesus' name, amen.